Jim asked me to uh, read the scripture that he'll be preaching on today. Um, so I'll be reading from ESV. So if you will please stand for the reading of God's scripture. I'll read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Seven. 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. So I extol the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time you may exalt, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Here ends the reading of God's inspired word. You may be seated. Well, let me pray, and then we will begin. Father, thank you. Thank you for your blessed word, how it speaks to us, and how we, your sheep, hear thy voice in the scripture. Lord, we are listening attentively. We thank you for the gift of pastors who have your heart because we confess you as our great chief shepherd. Jesus, hold us tightly in your arms even as you have. We love you. Now speak for thy servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. Well, keep your Bibles open as we will walk through particularly verses 1 through 4, but then quickly through 5 through 7 as well as we come to the application. In a fascinating book, Philip Keller writes, the book is titled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23. Listen to this. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Sheep do not just take care of themselves, as many suppose. They require more than any other class of livestock. Endless attention, 
meticulous care. For example, while most animals are gifted by the Creator with an instinct to find their way home, if sheep stray, they become completely disoriented, cannot find their way back home, as Luke 15 powerfully illustrates. Sheep need a shepherd to guide them, provide for them, protect them, even rescue them. Sheep spend most of their time eating and drinking. But if one becomes lost, it is utterly helpless to find good food and water. And left to themselves, sheep will indiscriminately eat both healthy and poisonous plants. Some of us been doing that. Or overgraze and ruin their own pasture. And they need to be led to water that is not impure, stagnant, or flowing too fast. And because their wool secretes a large volume of oily, lanolin, dirt, grass, windblown debris clings to it. Thus they become and remain soiled until the shepherd shears them. Never a pleasant prospect to the sheep. We haven't liked it either. Amen. Baptists would have been resoundingly Amen. And being utterly defenseless and passive, when attacked, their only recourse is to flee in panic. And so their shepherd must continually be on guard, defending, rescuing them from attack and danger. So it's not surprising that Jesus compares the disoriented, confused, unclean, spiritually lost people with sheep without shepherds who could not feed themselves spiritually and had no one to clean them, no one to protect them. Poignantly does Isaiah say, all we like sheep have gone astray, all of us. Each of us has turned to his own way. Hmm. Explanation. Calvin gives a very helpful bird's eye view of verses 1 through 4. Listen to Calvin. In exhorting pastors, shepherds, to their duty, he points out especially three vices which much prevail. Sloth, desire of gain, lust for power. In opposition to sloth, Peter puts forward a willing, eager attention to a desire for gain he says, liberality. 
and to a lustful power. He says moderation and humility by which the elders are to keep themselves in their own rank and station. He says pastors ought not care for the flock of God only so far as compelled to. For they who seek to do no more than what duty or compulsion constrains them to do their work formally, not relationally, and negligently. Thus, they are to do what they do willingly with good heart as one devoted to the work. To correct those motivated by shameful gain, he instructs them to minister eagerly with delight helping. For whoever does not desire to spend himself gladly on behalf of the church is not a minister of God, but a slave to his own stomach, his lust, and his purse. End quote. To correct domineering out of a lust for power he instructs the living out of Christ, a living out of a Christ-like example. What stands opposed to this virtue is tyrannical pride. When the pastor exempts himself from all subjection and tyrannizes over the church. It was for this that Ezekiel condemned the false prophets, that they ruled cruelly, tyrannically. Hmm. Sinclair Ferguson tells of a professor from Westminster in Philly who was touring Israel on bus, and the prof was describing how the bus driver, the tour guide, was pointing out scenes and uh, landmarks, and then they came to a stretch where there were sheep out on hillsides. And the prof was discussing the, uh, the ways of sheep and shepherds, that the shepherds always precede the sheep, calling them, and the sheep follow the shepherd. Shortly after saying that, the professor said they came upon a scene of sheep being ruthlessly driven by the shepherd forward. And, of course, the bus is full of consternation. What's going on here? Just a second. There. What's going on here? And the bus driver puzzled. He stops. He gets out. He runs across, engages the shepherd. And when he comes back on the bus, he's smiling. 
as he says to the people on the bus, that's not a shepherd, that's the butcher. Oh, cute on the surface, full of meaning more deeply. Hmm. Verse 1, the soul in your ESV is a therefore, based on Peter's preceding discussion of suffering due to the fire's trial, testing them. And since, oh, is it not working? It just fell down. Oh, thank you. Peripheral vision, I thought something's beside me. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. So, and since judgment begins with the household of God, this is chapter 4, there is need for God-fearing, Christ-loving shepherds who will protect, who will feed and guide the flock of God particularly through seasons of trial and suffering. Observe how Peter pulls no rank as an apostle. He appeals to them as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. But what's that? Why does he not appeal to the resurrection, witness of the sufferings of Christ. For anyone who is aware of Peter's history and behavior at the cross, you'll know and remember this was a significantly painful event in the life of Peter. He shared this because his courage had failed, he had denied his Savior three times with cursing. Probably this is said in this way to demonstrate that restoration, even from grievous sin, is possible with blessed Christ. Possible promise encouraged by Christ, and thus to encourage in the elders a humble willingness to be penitent for sin, rather than hypocritically full of pride and an unwillingness to admit wrongdoing. Hmm. So Peter is an elder who has sinned, repented, been restored, and will share with Christ in glory. So he can rightly exhort any elder, and that is but an example for all of us whose life has fallen into grievous sin, to come back to Jesus. Remember John 21? Remember the charcoal fire motif? Jesus brings Peter right back, right back to the scene where he had 
denied, cursed Jesus. And Peter is restored by the graciousness of Christ. Blessed Jesus, speak her name just now. Speak his name just now, asking, do you love me? And then let us hear you say, whether you're thinking, whether who you're thinking about follows me or not, you follow me. Verse 2, Peter instructs, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The description given elders by Peter, follow me closely, is organic and functional, based on the symbiotic relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Indeed, the verb shepherd the sheep and noun the flock come from the same root word suggesting a necessary relationship. Pastoral reflection. Technology can enable us to hear the voice of the preacher preaching from Scripture. But it cannot replicate the pastor shepherd. Hmm. Technology around the globe allows men and women to engage the preached word and the Holy Spirit superintends that preaching where they are, be it Norway, Papua New Guinea, Myanmar, China, you name it, the Spirit is there superintending the preached word, but there's no pastor, shepherd there. I was drawn inexorably by sweet Jesus to biblical truth through the preaching of John MacArthur, then John Piper. R.C. Sproul was the first, actually. Martin Lloyd-Jones and Sinclair Ferguson via radio and internet. But... I was never pastored by any of them. The pastor-shepherd relationship with the sheep is organic. It cannot occur virtually. Talk with me. I'll gladly take a challenge on that. It cannot occur virtually. A shepherd follows his sheep to the hospital. 
a shepherd follows his sheep to their home. Read Ephesians 4 and ask, how would the organic nature of the shepherd and sheep happen online? It can't. Yes, the priest's word is superintended by the Holy Spirit around the world through technology, but the Spirit is also busy in each locale raising up shepherds and pastors. Verses 2 through 3, 1 Peter 5. Observe that the three things warned against are answered by three goals, three virtuous attitudes, behaviors, our great shepherd desires in his chosen shepherds. He says first, shepherd the flock willingly. Second, shepherd the flock eagerly. Third, shepherd the flock, modeling Jesus' attitude, words, and behavior. First, don't do shepherding, pastoring under compulsion, but willingly. <laughs> Means not doing this job simply out of obligation or because somebody's got to do it. Do this job because the elder has freely, willingly chosen to carry out this valuable work. Do it in the manner with the heart that God would have you do it with. Second, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Observe biblically that greed and selfish interest are so wound together in our hearts that especially in this ministry's work, they must constantly be guarded against. Constantly. Take note of the adjectival description of gain. Peter adds the word shameful. So we're not just talking about financial gain, but we're talking about shameful gain. Clear is the biblical command that those elders whose work is preaching and teaching be considered worthy of double honor, First Tim 5, 17, 18. And so this passage by Paul in First Timothy 5 commands the financial support of the officers who teach the word and shepherd the flock. So Peter is condemning not the fair compensation of elders, pastors, but the love of gain and abuse of power.
love of game. How does one recognize that? When you find it, there is usually strutting involved. Chew on that. Observe also the contrast between the two words willingly and eagerly. Willingly focuses upon the uncompelled decision of the will to do the work. Eagerly puts more emphasis on a positive emotional desire to do the work because you love what you're doing. Said another way, you find incredibly meaningful what you are doing. Said another way, you sense the Father's pleasure when you do what you are doing. Hmm. Third warning, verse 4, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Hmm. Pastoral confession rebukes for failings and sin by modeling bad stuff are helpful, convicting, never welcome on the face of it, but on the path of sanctification the Lord has provided me through my blessed wife of almost 40 years. She has been the source of God's chastening hand more times than I can recollect. And it's never fun. And I never ask her for it. Amen. But he saw to it that I received what I have received. I'm thankful. But my observation from this phrase proving to be examples is that trying to be an example is perhaps not the wisest way of following this command. Track with me. The better, wiser focus is to follow so hard after Jesus that you lose yourself in him and later find out that you have been seen as an example, a thing that you were not specifically focused on. Love Christ Jesus. Search for him in the sacred pages. Pray to him out of scripture. Let the scripture be your voice prayer. Frame your heart toward him. Tell him of your heart's desire for him. Express your love to him and not just your doctrinal correction. 
Oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be heaven to me. For thou art all the heaven I want. Hmm. Another said that, but I'm headed there. Do I love him as he loves me? Nay, but I want I want to move closer and closer toward him who died for me and loves me eternally. And this is his desire for his shepherds and pastors. Unless pastors retain this end in view, it can by no means, verse 4, it can by no means be that they will in good earnest proceed in the course of their calling, but will on the contrary become often faint, for there are innumerable hindrances sufficient to discourage the most prudent. <laughs> The only way it can be done is eyes on Jesus totally. And you're not trying to parade for anyone because you want his pleasure and presence. Hmm. Verses 5 through 7. Verse 5 commands submission to the governing authority of the elders within the church. Be subject indicates a, a general willingness to support the elders' direction. But humble yourselves, he then follows up, under the mighty hand of God therefore connects this statement with the quotation in verse 5. For if God opposes the proud, it is true wisdom to humble oneself before him. Among other things, this involves bowing to God's wisdom And God's wisdom has never been what I thought wise. So why am I so stuck with my own thoughts and assessments and voluminous questions? God's wisdom supersedes mine. Now I'm either a self-made Presbyterian or I'm a servant of the Most High God. So among other things, this involves bowing to God's wisdom, accepting the twists and turns of his providence. <laughs> some of us have had some decided twistings and turnings by his providential hand. 
and entrusting all our concerns to him. And though this may well mean personal disadvantage in this life, it's always in the believer's interest to humble himself or herself before God so that in due time he may exalt thee. <laughs> Let another praise you and not yourself, Proverbs says. Let him exalt you in his due time. Meanwhile, sit quietly waiting. Hmm. Believe Christ. This is stuck with me. Believe Christ and not his strokes. What does that mean? Believe Christ and don't judge Christ on the basis of your circumstances. Yeah. I believe my blessed sweet Jesus far more than I do my circumstances. If I didn't, I would have sunk a long time ago. Samuel Rutherford says, Oh, how sweet to be holy Christ and holy in Christ, to dwell in Emmanuel's high and blessed land and live in that sweetest air where no wind bloweth but the breathings of the Holy Ghost no sea nor floods flow but the pure water of life that floweth from under the throne and from the Lamb. No planting but the tree of life that yieldeth twelve manner of fruits every month. End quote. Hmm. Oh, Jesus, draw us to thyself. Woo thy flock. For you love us and have faithfully provided for us through a travail of tears. We love thee and shall love thee, world without end. Amen. Doctrine, very quickly. The initial four verses set forward the three primary terms used in the New Testament to describe one office. Elder is from the Greek word presbyteros, and now you know where we got our denominational distinctive, presbyteros. The verb form of giving oversight is from episkopos, another distinct church polity form. The third term, shepherd, is poimen, from which we also get pastor. Now, doctrine the necessity of shepherding and of pastoring. A preacher without a pastor's heart is not the good shepherd's design. 
the word of God must be exposited by a man who shepherds, who loves the flock with the love of Christ Jesus. Preaching can and does take place virtually, but shepherding cannot. Unless pastors, I'm sorry, turned the wrong page, but shepherding cannot. Here's the problem of the Lone Ranger Christian. I'll stay home. I'll listen on the internet. Well, God can speak to you and does, but you, do you have a relationship with the body? Do you have a relationship with the pastor, with a pastor and elder? This is necessary to grow in Christ. Let me share with you concerning this. Luke 15. What did you come out to see? Jesus asked that of the crowds. I think he's asking that of us. What did you come out to see? I came out to see what has the pulpit pastor search committee put in front of us. I trusted them and Frankly, my esteem of that committee has risen in exorably higher and higher now. Because as a 40-year pastor, that's not how old I am, I had and have a burden. By his hand of providence, for good or bad, you be the judge. He planted me here these past two years. But there has been for a time of healing. And in many ways, I have seen my role. Some of you are old enough to remember the Oklahoma City bombing. Healthcare descended on the tragic scene. But one MD, one doctor, began triage assessment, and the team became functional, organically functional, tending the sick. And that's been what I have been amongst you. Three options, and it still continues. But last week, in the course of the weekend, I met a man whose heart resonates with mine and mine with his. I was, I was more astounded by the father's capacity to place someone and whether he is chosen by thee or not, 
I'm just telling you, as a pastor, I liked what I saw very, very much. I sense this is a man crafted by Christ with his own heart for his people. Lucas and I shared, and I learned many pastoral concerns for a flock that I have had for this flock. You've no idea how that blessed me and sensed the hand of God in this. Now, I am not honestly trying to sway your particular vote. But as a 40-year-old pastor who has been amongst you for two years, I think God is really prepared to open the doors of blessing to this church. Let me pray. Blessed Father, we thank you that your providential hand is always behind us, upon us, ahead of us. We don't always like it, but thou knowest this. And Father, there are aspects to each of our circumstances that we find very unpleasant, trying, troubling. But Lord, you are the all-wise God. And like Job, I put my hand over my mouth. Now I pray that your hand will lead and establish your purposes to your glory through this blessed particular church that you so clearly have had your eye on more tightly than the sparrows falling. Please superintend us to thy great pleasure and glory, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.